Let us pray. Heavenly Father, shine your light upon us that we might understand your word, that we might give thanks to you and be a blessing in this your world. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Father Bates said, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, and Happy Epiphany. I came across this New Year's prayer. Dear Lord, so far this year I've done well. I haven't gossiped. I haven't lost my temper. I haven't been greedy, grumpy, nasty, selfish, or overindulgent. I'm very thankful for that. But in a few minutes I'm going to get out of bed. And from then on I'll need some extra help. (laughs) Well, Merry Christmas. One of my uh, kind of devious delights is to keep saying Merry Christmas. Throughout the Christmas season, it completely throws people off at the grocery store. It's funny because at Christmas time, people say, this is such a great season. We should keep the Christmas spirit all year long. And then on December 26th, they stop saying it. It's just like, it's over. Why does the world get to decide when Christmas ends and begins? I mean, we all kind of despair over Christmas advertising starting when? Shortly after summer holidays. And it's this long, drawn-out selling season. And then as soon as the Christmas starts, you feel like it's all over. It's really fun to put the decorations out, but there's something in us that likes to get them put away and get back to normal. Well, this should be normal. This should be. This is what it's about. God has shined his light. So why does the world get to see it? Our calendars are kind of different, aren't they? Our New Year starts at the beginning of Advent. That's when we should be saying Happy New Year. But we so quickly get into the calendar of the world, feeling that the world has the final say on what we do. And unfortunately, it sometimes has the final say on who we are. I want to say two things today. I'm going to use this my text, the first verse of the Isaiah passage, if you'd like to follow along a little bit. And Isaiah chapter 60 says, Arise, shine, for your light has come. So I want to say two things. My two points are, one, that God has shined his light on us. And number two, therefore, we must shine our light in his world. So, arise, shine. Let's look, take the second part of that verse first and to look at how God has shined his light. That's what epiphany means, to shine upon. It was God's initiative. He wanted to do that. Look at the, in the beginning of Isaiah. He says, your light has come The glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Although darkness shall cover the earth and thick darkness the peoples, the Lord will arise upon you and his glory will appear over you. God is light and fights the darkness. It's the theme right from the beginning to the end. The very third, first, second or third chapter, first of the Bible. And darkness covered the face of the earth. And God said, let there be light. Now, the sun didn't get invented, created for a number of days. So what was the light? Whatever it was, the light shone. And then at the very end of the scriptures, as we have a vision of the heavenly city, it specifies that we won't need the sun because the Lord God himself will be the light. And in the very midst of that, Jesus comes along. And in the Christmas reading from John's gospel, he said he was the life and the life was the light of the world. And when he began his ministry, he unabashedly said, I am the light of the world. 
And he, in that light, reveals to us who he is, but also who we are. So we are made in his image. The light enables us to see truly. Compare the temptation story in Genesis. Right after the creation story, we have the temptation story. And the serpent comes to Eve and says, if you take of the forbidden fruit, what will happen? Your eyes will be open and you will be like God. It's a great temptation for every one of us. We want to be our own gods. Well, what happened when their eyes were opened? They realized that they were naked. They felt shame. They, were hid, they hid themselves from God and afraid of God. Because what was promised to them was false and misleading. It was unfounded claim and a deceptive temptation. It was not the light of God coming to so that we might see truly. It was a deception so we would see falsely. We strive to find out who we are, to figure ourselves out, what will bring us happiness, what we're supposed to do. And there's lots of people who will try to tell us who we are. In the Christmas story in Luke, we're introduced to a word of hope, a person of substance, who in the ancient, ancient Roman Empire was referred to as divine, son of God, God, liberator, redeemer, and savior of the world. And no, they weren't referring to Jesus. They were referring to Caesar Augustus, because that's how they referred to him. And he wanted to dictate how they understood him and how they understood themselves. Herod also wanted to tell people who they were and who they weren't. And in the Epiphany story, the wise men coming to say, where's the king of the Jews? And of course, Herod feels that he's the king of the Jews, although he wasn't Jewish and he wasn't a king. But his fears were aroused when they came. And I suspect that's true for each and every one of us. When we are dethroned from the throne of our heart, when God comes to tell us, I would like to be the king of your life, I would like to help you and direct you and show you what to do. There's something in us that resists that and says, no, I would like to do it myself. New Year's, of course, is a season of lists and the year in review magazines and Google searches and things that are trending. Why is it that such holds such an appeal for people? Some of it appeals to our fears of the future. Who will help us to navigate the challenges? Some of it appeals to our desires, our interests, what inspires us. But what defines us? Who tells you definitively who you are? We went to see the movie Unbroken last night, the true story about Louis Zamperini. Who's seen that movie yet? I don't want to do any, uh, any uh, spoiler alerts. It's a true story about an American who grew up feeling he was no good. He did some bad things. People told him he was no good, and it was kind of a downward spiral until his brother discovered that he was a great runner. And he went to, he went to him and tried to convince him that he could be somebody. He could win at races and prove to people that he was somebody. And he did very, very well. He went and, and ran in the Olympics. He then went off at war and was, uh, came down in a plane in the water and had an awful time 
being uh, lost at sea and then captured by the Japanese and and then his Japanese tormentors, his uh, guards, tried to convince him that he was no good. He was a nobody. He suffered a brutal time. And at the end of it, what it doesn't, it alludes to in the movie, but doesn't make clear, is that he had an encounter with the living Christ, who affirmed him in the image of God, and that he was able to go on and escape that kind of prison of animosity and turn to forgiveness and forgive his captors. God wants to tell us who we are. And there's two things about that. One is that we're made in his image. We're called to reflect his glory. We're made to be in relationship to him. We're of infinite value and we derive our value from him. We find our fulfillment in being in a relationship to him. We gain our strength and direction from the Holy Spirit being in our lives. And we find our joy in being in a community with others who believe in him. But... When God shines his light, sometimes the dirt also becomes into clearer focus. And we see within our lives sin that needs to be gotten out or things that need to be gotten in. The great thing is he does it in the context of being in a relationship, of being drawn to that light and affirmed in our value. And as we grow in our relationship to him, he gradually reveals things to us that we need to deal with, sin that needs to be Forgiven resolutions. I don't know if I'm not going to ask who's made New Year's resolutions. Resolutions can be a way to measure ourselves to prove that we can do it. But most of the time, they are a vivid and dramatic reminder that in most cases we can't, and lead, which often leads to discouragement and a self critical spirit. The light of God shows up the sin in our lives but only to the extent that we can deal with it. He leads us gently so that his light can come. Interesting, when Jesus went around and did miracles, most of the miracles he did had a parallel in the Old Testament. We saw prophets doing miracles. The one thing that Jesus did, which doesn't seem to have a parallel in the Old Testament, is healing of blind people. And the healing of the blind was a sign of the Messianic age. And it was foretold that the Messiah would bring sight to people. Our eyes are healed so that we might perceive truly who he is and who we are. So that's the first point. Second point, or it would be briefer, is that if God has shined his light on us, told us who we are, forgiven our sin, then we are called to shine as well. Look back at Isaiah. It says, arise, shine. That's a command to us, a charge to us to do something about it. Look back at the uh, collect of the day, and it says, Lead us who know you now by faith to your presence where we may see your glory. But it doesn't go on to say, what are we supposed to do about it? If God has shined on us, he has called us now to shine as well. Actually, the Greek translation of that is shine, shine, for God has shined on you. And then it says, nations will come to your light. And he says, lift up your eyes and look around. They will gather and come to you. We have a mission to accomplish, to be the light in the world. If Advent and Christmas are about the light coming into the world, surely the epiphany is about taking that light into the world to make a difference. On a social and political level, look at Psalm 72 in the bulletin. 
what the king's supposed to do? He's supposed to help the poor and the needy and the hopeless. That's his job. The king is not there to assert himself, but to help those in his charge. If you look at the Ephesians reading in verse 10, it says, So that the, through the church, the wisdom of God in its rich variety might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. We have a job to do. We are called to shine. In Isaiah chapter 58, when you go home, if you want to read a great passage, look up Isaiah chapter 58, which comes just two chapters before our passage. And it talks about if we do these things, care for others, that will be our light shining. Listen to this. Let your light so shine. It says, is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen? To loose the chains of injustice and untie the yokes of the cord, the cords of the yoke. To set the oppressed free and break every yoke. Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? When you see the naked, to clothe them and to not to turn away from your own flesh and blood. Then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. And it goes on and on. It's a great passage. So how do we shine? What should we do? I want you to think just for a moment, how could you shine today in God's world? How could you shine this week or this year? The first thing we do is we remember that God is shining on us. And we seek to position ourselves in that light. To posture ourselves to receive that light and appreciate it. Through worship, through coming to the Eucharist. By being together with the community, by reading his word, putting yourself before his word to pray. In the context of that, he will help us and direct us to know what we can do. Sometimes to shine is merely to give a smile and reflect a joy. You ever seen people leaving church? They don't always look happy. <laughs> reflect the joy of God. Tell people about what church does for you. Help the poor. Lead lives of integrity that bring glory to God, which is not always easy in this world. Discover and use the gifts God has given you for the benefit of our community. Get involved. You don't know how much encouragement that brings to those who are in charge of different ministries when you come and say, you know, I've never done this before, but I'd like to help out. I'd like to put myself forward. Pray. Pray for your family, your friends. Pray for opportunities to overcome estrangement or to bring forgiveness. Live into the light that God has shined upon you. It says in uh, 2 Corinthians, Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.